with the pirates because, of course, they have cannons and everything. It's a pirate's life for me. Be proud of who you are and what you are. You're pirate. It is a first down. Pirate. Because when you're in East Carolina, you go for it every time. Or you don't coach at East Carolina, you don't come to East Carolina, you don't play at East Carolina with a weak heart. Write it! thing I've ever been in a building as loud as that was. It was deafening in there. We were with them all. I can promise you that. Hand and crumple all night long in Eastern North Carolina. You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. I've coached a long time in a lot of great places, and I don't think I've ever been in a building as loud as that was. It, uh, it <laughs> there were some times where it was it was deafening in there. This is East Carolina Hall of Famer and Utah Jazz first round draft pick Blue Edwards. You're listening to Pirate Basketball Overtime on the Sports Objective, your home for the best East Carolina hoops coverage. Welcome in to Pirate Basketball Overtime here on the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates, and you're home for the best ECU hoops coverage. East Carolina falls this afternoon to UAB down in Birmingham at Bartow Arena, 69-61. to 61. As has been the case in many games this season, the Pirates were right there with two, three, four minutes to go in the game, but just simply unable to make the Necessary plays to win a close game against quality competition down the stretch. Um, ECU scores just two field goals in the final 10 and a half minutes, including a stretch where they did not score a field goal in eight minutes. And amazingly enough, you were still down just two points uh, there with two, two and a half minutes to play, but um, just too much uh, pressure on the defense. And so those couple stops that you did not get in the final couple minutes um you know, stick out because of how poor things were offensively but go ahead go ahead matt yeah Sorry. yeah bubba i mean <laughs> you know let me just say i i uh I, i'm i'm kind of past the point of even being mad at this point like when i watched that game i knew what was coming it was obvious what was about to happen because we've seen the same old story a hundred times now and I'm past the point of even being mad about it. Um, but the fact the fact that you can go eight minutes, sorry about the dog in the background, without you said without a field goal. Did I hear that right? You had uh, East Carolina led 51 to 45 uh, after a bucket at the 1042 mark. Uh, from that point on, uh, the Pirates had just two field goals, but from the Ten and a half minute mark to the two and a half minute mark, ECU did not score a field goal, just uh, a handful of free throws. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just there's no other word for it. It's pathetic, and uh, 
you're just not going to win games like that. It's it's really unfortunate. But um, you know, this this season is is really starting to look look a lot like other seasons in recent history where you know, you get into conference play and you just don't quite have the pieces to get over the hump. And, you know, it's 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 really it's the same old story with this team where, you know, you, you play well enough defensively to give yourself a chance. But at ultimately, at the end of the game, when it's crunch time and when you really need a bucket or multiple buckets, you can't find them. It's, it's no different than the NBA. You have to have a closer at the end of a game. And, you know, this team right now, they, they've proven that they, they do not have the pieces to close out games. And, um, you know, it's really frustrating. And the other thing, Bob, I want to say is, you know, I think like if we, we've, we've really built this show Bubba from, from, you know, a smaller audience to the point now where we have quite a few people listening and we really appreciate it. And, I think that one of the reasons why is because we're very honest on this show and uh, hopefully people appreciate that. Um, And, you know, I I think you just have to kind of call it what it is. It's, it's bad basketball and we're now a two and four conference team. And uh, it's very frustrating, very frustrating to say the least. Before we dive a little deeper on speaking of honesty, I uh, mentioned on YouTube and Facebook and before we went live that, uh, that you were preparing a pirate beverage and, uh, Johnny Robertson said, I'll join him with a rum and Coke. And then, uh, Johnny, what's up? I, I have a rum and Coke too, buddy. So, uh, cheers, cheers, Justin. And then he said he, he, um, is also partaking uh, in a pirate beverage or with a pirate beverage and John Walker black and diet Pepsi here. Man, J- Justin's rolling out the Johnny Walker Black and Diet Pepsi. That's a nice drink, both of you guys. Good taste, man. I think we all need it tonight, right, right, Bubba? I know you're not a drinking man per se, but uh, <laughs> if you were, I'm sure you'd be having one too. Yeah, in the post game, uh, you heard the remarks of UAB head coach Andy Kennedy, and of course the former Cincinnati and Ole Miss head coach. And he, he gave credit to the Pirates you know, for you know, pushing UAB to the brink and uh, the way we were scrapping and managed to to muck it up, so to speak, were his exact words. And uh, he referenced a stat. I don't recall that stat exactly, but it was something to the effect of I mean, when the Pirates have been held. Um, I believe the, the mark was 67 points and not 70, but – Three and seven or something along those lines is uh, ECU's record when that's happened. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's beyond frustrating. And, you know, it, it's 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 kind of like, you know, how, how many games have we had an opportunity to win this year where, you know, we're, we're in the game in the final minutes and just can't close it. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, Bubba, but it's just, it's, it's just not, it's not going to change. Like this team is not dynamic enough offensively where we can just change our identity and start, you know, pushing the ball up the floor and, and change our style offensively. Like this is kind of who we are. We're a scrappy defensive team that kind of grinds it out offensively in the half court, and, um, you know, 
listen, you're going to have to you, you you have to do something different here if, if you're Mike Schwartz, because this this style of offense, it's just not working in particular in the last five minutes of the game. Yeah, I need that uh, on our soundboard. You know what really grinds my gears? Um, but during the post game, uh, Mike Schwartz. Is that your Boston accent? <laughs> no, just uh, just the way that that clip was. But yeah, I guess I, I guess I did kind of go a, li- a little Boston on you there. I like um, that. Like like the guy at Fenway. Uh, have some have some balls and say the truth. But um, <laughs> but yeah, you take a look post game, uh, Mike Schwartz. Uh, I'll give Stephen Igo credit here. I believe this came from the radio broadcast uh, when Coach Schwartz joined Darren Vaught, who will be on the program on this coming week of uh, following the game at Wichita State. And we'll talk about what lies ahead for the Pirates um, here in the next few minutes. But um, but Darren Vaught will join the show and then and then um, we'll aim to get Michael Perry on before too long as well. But uh, in his post-game remarks with Darren Vaught and Michael Perry, Coach Schwartz said the other other night uh, against um, in the in the loss to North Texas, we took care of the ball and can't rebound tonight. We rebound and can't take care of the ball. Uh, ECU out rebounded UAB um, forty-two to thirty-three, and the Blazers are the best rebounding team in the league. So that was quite an accomplishment, especially to out rebound them by nine. But uh, you can't expect to win on the road when you when you don't have a field goal in an eight-minute stretch in the final ten and a half minutes of the game, and you commit 16 turnovers. Uh, ten of those, I believe, came in the second half. Yeah, the, the turnovers are a problem. and and But the thing is that's so frustrating about these turnovers is they're, they're such bad turnovers sometimes, like just pointless turnovers where it's just carelessness. And – you know, th- that's what really gets me. Like, I don't mind an aggressive turnover where you're really trying to make a play and, you know, you you, you just kind of fumble the ball and turn it over. But some of these turnovers, I mean, they're just careless. And and those are the ones that really bother you as a team um, because there's just no need for them. There's really just no need for them. And, you know, I, I'll tell you, Bubba, I really like the intensity, the way we came out of the gate tonight. I thought that the t- I did think the team was ready to play. You know, I, I thought that the intensity level, especially early on defensively, was really good. Um, you know, I, I I think they had the right mindset. Like they came to win this game. Um, but I do have to wonder, and I'll and I'll I'll throw this out to you, Bubba. I'll throw this out to all the guys listening. You know, Johnny, Justin, Stevie. Stevie's having a pirate beverage too. I see. David Hackney, a few other guys. Um, you know, I, I'm starting to think it's kind of a mental thing with this team where they just when it when it gets into the last 10 minutes, they start to doubt themselves. And as the game goes on, they just can't seem to, to they, they just can't make a shot. And uh I, I don't know what it is, but what do you think about that? There certainly could be some validity to that. Um I'm I don't I don't know whether it's the case or not, but um you know, clearly, as you stated, you know, we're we were ready to go. Um, I thought we would be um, based on history. You saw following the, the very frustrating loss, the manner in which we lost to East Tennessee State. We went down to Florida Atlantic and against FAU, we you know, competed for 36 minutes and then 
stumbled, um, as we've stated in, in that final four minutes, end up losing by 15. Then you were coming off, uh, it's a different type of loss, um, just a heartbreaking loss at the buzzer to North Texas. Uh, so if history was any indication, you know, we were going to be ready to go. It's just a matter of, you know, were we going to be able to, uh, to make the plays late in the game to have a chance to win it after we put ourselves in that position. And unfortunately we got the answer that we're all too familiar with. Yeah. And, and Bubba, when you watch the great upsets in college basketball, you know, like you think of March madness and you think of the big upsets, it's, it's the guard play that usually does it. You know, it's usually, the explosive guards that can knock down big threes at the right times, that can get to the rim, get into the paint and dish, you know, penetrate and kick out. You know, if you look at the stats for our for, for Cam Hayes and Bobby Pettiford tonight, and I don't mean to single those guys out, but um, th those stats, I don't know if Bubba, if you're, I'm not sure if you're able to put those up on the screen, but um, here we go. Thank you. You know, you look at Cam Hayes, he's two for eight from the field, two for seven from three for six points. That's your starting two guard. All right. Then you look at your point guard, 31 minutes, two for seven and four points. Um, I'm not a genius by any stretch, but that is not going to get it done. That Don't sell yourself short, Matt. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> I mean, that that thank you. But that is just not going to get it done on any level. I mean, the, these guys are highly recruited players. Pettifer, I believe, was a four-star out of high school. Um, I know Cam Hayes is, you know, he's had a rough year, but he, he's had a, uh, a, I would say, a number of games now where he's been able to get his footing underneath him, and we should be able to do more than this. And uh, so that's very frustrating to me that we didn't get more production from those two guys, Bubba. Yeah, especially when you have such a short bench. You, know, you you see there, you have Jaden Walker, who played, uh, I would imagine, this uh, season high, 31 minutes. It's definitely the most he's played since very early on in the season, and he's been building up to that. Uh, I think the last two games, uh, maybe something like 28 and 23, 28 and 25, respectively. But um, – Jaden had eight points and five rebounds. Didn't shoot it particularly well, but just two for seven, but knocked down all three free throws and um, gave you some nice production off the bench. But unfortunately, as has been the case far too often in the, the last seven or eight games, uh, particularly um, that's essentially all the production the Pirates got off the bench because Caleb LeCount was the only other person to score um, outside of the starting five. And taking a look at the production of that starting five, Matt already mentioned what Kim Hayes and Bobby Pettiford did. But you had R.J. Felton in 33 minutes, four out of 12, 10 points, four rebounds for the Aiken, South Carolina product. And then Ezra Sar and Brandon Johnson both recorded double-doubles. For Ezra, it was 16 points, 10 rebounds, five out of 12 from the floor, six out of nine from the line. He did miss a, a couple or a few chippies, uh, you know, one time where he had gotten his his own rebound and then missed the stick back. And then BJ, 15 points, 10 rebounds. And um, 
and something else of note, uh, you had Ezra committing just one turnover. So that's a couple games in the last few that Ezra has done a much better job of taking care of the basketball. But unfortunately, as I mentioned, missed from point blank range on a couple occasions. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of Ezra's progression as a player to limit those turnovers. And tonight, you know, only one. Um, so that's so that's that's good. That's nice to see. And um, you know, I, I but I just think we we've got to find a way to get him more involved uh, late in the game. And Bubba, we did have a comment. I I I, uh, I didn't want to miss it. David Hackney had a comment. Yes, uh, um, I saw that. Um, there appreciate we go. that, David. Yeah, they, they've won the first 30, 35 minutes of several games this year. Just can't win. Yeah, exactly. It comes down to, it comes down to crunch time, David. Great point. And, um, and that's, to me, that's, you know, be, beyond some of the obvious things like the turnovers we mentioned and giving up uh, a ton of offensive rebounds and points throughout this season, um, I, I think that's kind of the big – hiccup with this team so yeah you nailed it and kind of going back to the point you made probably five minutes ago concerning you know is this a mental thing getting over that hurdle of winning close games against quality competition late i don't know i'm not in the locker room i'm not i'm not uh, at practice obviously but um it very well could be because you know once it happens enough you start to think well, here we go again, and it's not going to be. And you, you find a way to to finally make it happen and and pick up a win against a, a quality club, you know, be it a, a North Texas, UAB, Memphis, whoever. And then after you do it a time or two, then it can start to start the snowball in a positive direction. And some other folks chiming in. Some other folks chiming in tonight on uh, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Johnny Robertson says they have been outscored in the last five minutes of conference play, fifty-seven to thirty-eight. That, that's a that's an excellent stat there. As the Pirates now two and four in league play, uh, and as we know, um, we're right there in most every league game. I guess with the exception of SMU. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, then Johnny, FAU, Gomes, you know, they pulled away late too, but I mean, that was a pretty solid game, you know, until what, five minutes left. So same, same story. Yep. And then I know in our group text, um, when Ezra, you know, failed to dunk it, um, I guess it was there in the first half when he, <laughs> yeah. when he missed it and then got his own miss and then missed the, missed the bunnies, so to speak. Uh, he's, Johnny says, not sure what the disconnect with Ezra around the basket is, uh, has to finish stronger in the paint. And then Johnny also notes that the mid-year transfer, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into this after we go over some of the team numbers and discuss some other topics, but uh, the mid-year transfer of Vungo did not travel to Birmingham today. It'll be interesting to see how that is moving forward. But um, before we circle back to that, uh, let's go to the team numbers. I'm taking a look at the, the team stats for the 69-61 loss at UAB. Uh, you had the Blazers shot it at a 43% clip 
25 out of 58, 33% from beyond the arc, 5 out of 15, 14 of 18. Uh, from the charity stripe, 77.8%. Uh, East Carolina, just 367 do not have the breakdown. We'll see if I can find that on ecupirates.com from the second half, but especially the second 10 minutes of the second half. Um, Pirates had to be down there, you know, 10 or 15% because um, for the game, just 36.7%. And I know the first nine to 10 minutes of the second half, we were shooting 50%, and it plummeted quickly, um, and to say the least. Pirates, 8 out of 24 from beyond the arc, 33%, as was the the um, Blazers, or as were the Blazers. And then free throws, Pirates shot them pretty well today, 9 out of 12, 75%. You'll take that. East Carolina out-rebounded UAB, the American Athletic Conference's top rebounding team, 42 to 33, including 14 to 8 on the offensive glass. So as Coach Schwartz noted post-game, nice bounce back there. But um, the Pirates simply did not take get enough care of the basketball. 16 turnovers compared to just nine for UAB. Um, that was a contributing factor to the Blazers outscoring the Pirates 11-1 to um, in fast break points. And then the Blazers also held a 32-24 to edge as far as points in the paint. Yeah, Bubba. I mean, and then 21 points off of the turnovers for UAB. So that that's a that's a that's a killer stat there. Um, you know, very very frustrating. You know, you could tell Mike Schwartz is kind of you could kind of sense the frustration from him in recent games because it's almost like you plug one hole and then another hole opens up. You know, it, it's something different. Um, but but I think we're gonna have to find a different structure of offense down the stretch, whether that's, you know, if you just put Brandon Johnson in the post and you, and you just try to pump it inside versus a perimeter heavy uh, offense, we're going to have to find something different. And that's going to be the challenge right now for this coaching staff, because it's just clear what we're doing is just not working. And, and quite honestly, if we continue going down the same road, it's, it's not going to work. Um, we are kind of what we are at this point. Now, that doesn't mean we can't make improvements and get better as the season goes on. But, you know, um, you have a large enough sample size here where, you know, you, you kind of see the writing on the wall. So mix it up a little bit. Before we take a look at the American standings and um, note a few other East Carolina basketball items before we wrap this edition of the program up, probably about another 10 minutes or so this evening. But uh, UAB, the Blazers came into the game averaging 77 and a half points per game. You, you held them to uh, 69, so you got to feel you know, pretty pretty good about that. But um, as we've noted uh, throughout the show, the Pirates simply not good enough offensively, especially in the final 10 minutes of the game. But uh, the Blazers, who had five players averaging in double figures entering the game, had three score uh, 10 plus today. Uh, they were led by Gaines, the talented guard, played all 40 minutes and had 17 points, seven rebounds, and eight assists. So he flirted with a triple double. Uh, then you had Davis. Davis was a load on the interior. 
uh, 14 points, nine rebounds, just a, a rebound shy of a double-double. And then off the bench, um, Coleman had 10 points, seven rebounds, and Ortiz had eight points, knocking down a pair of three-pointers for Andy Kennedy's ball club. Um, shifting over to the AAC standings, uh, how about this? Uh, you had Memphis, of course, the other night fail in that uh, last-second loss to the South Florida Bulls at the FedEx Forum. And now, after a win today over North Texas, it is the Charlotte 49ers 5-1 and one and in first place. East Carolina will be at Halton Arena here in Charlotte two weeks from today. Um, look forward to, to that one. Um, and hopefully a lot of Pirates, as is often the case when the Pirates play in the Queen City, are able to get out to Halton Arena. I know um, John Noonan, a good friend of mine, and other Pirates are hosting a tailgate. I'm going to do my best to get to that, but we'll definitely be at the game. Um, you know, my son has a game at 1030 that day. And as soon as that is over, I will be heading to um, Halton Arena. But um, after Charlotte at 11 and 7 and 5 and 1, you have Memphis, who's ranked 10th nationally, 15 and 3, 4 and 1. FAU, uh, the Owls are 23rd. Uh, nationally, and then you have um, FAU's fourteen and four, four and one, SMU and UAB. Uh, in addition to North Texas, are all four and one. So you have five ball clubs right there, just a half game back of the Charlotte Forty ers uh, South Florida, they've been a bit of a surprise. Uh, first year regime in Tampa, ten and five, three and one. Tulane, 11 and 6, and 2 and 3. East Carolina, the Pirates fall below 500 for the first time all season. Had been 500 on at least a couple of occasions, but now ECU sits at 9 and 10, 2 and 4. Uh, you have UTSA and Rice, they're 7 and 11 overall, 1 and 4 in the league. Tulsa, um, also Temple, 1 and 5. 10 and 8 and 8 and 11, respectively. And then um, you haven't seen this very often, uh, even though they have been down a bit in recent years. The Wichita State Shockers are 0 and 4 and in the cellar in the league standings. Uh, Wichita State, of course, is the next opponent for the Pirates, and they are 8 and 9 overall. Uh, ECU will travel to Wichita on Wednesday evening. Frustrating, Bubba, to see that we are now under 500. You know, I listen, I, I think there's just too much talent on this team to be under 500. And I'm not saying we're the 1990 uh, or what was it 1989 UNLV running Rebels. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. Um, but there's enough talent on this team where we should not be below 500. I'm again, I'm just going to be honest. So, um, I think that that's very frustrating, you know, for me personally to watch this. I'm sure it is for a lot of people, um, but we need to get it right because there's still quite a bit of season left. And uh, I mean, at this point, it's pretty clear what we are and who we are, but we, we, we need to find a way to rally here and at least um, represent well within the conference. But um, hate to see Charlotte sitting at five and one atop the list there. That's, that's frustrating. Yeah, um, you, you talk about it, 
plenty of season left. You had 12 regular season games. Then the tournament, um, the Pirates after Wichita will return home next Sunday. I believe it's a 5 p.m. tip-off due to television against the Temple Owls. ECU looking to sweep Temple on the season. Um, Obviously had that double-digit win within the last couple weeks up in Philly at the Leah Corps Center. Um, Justin Butts chiming in saying we should be 5-1. and one. I, I won't go that far. I, I won't say we should should be 5-1. and one. Um, We could be. Um, but um, that's that's part of it. You, know, you got to find a way to win those games. Our opponents have. We have not. Uh, he says, and then see David Hackney chiming in again. Says, I don't know if it's conditioning or depth. They need a closer with Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan killer instinct mentality. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's uh, a couple things. One, I think it's the mentality and from not having not having uh, really been a, a winning program in an awfully long time. Uh, and you know, really our history doesn't matter. It's what it's these it's these guys and um, you know. They've done some nice things, but um, also more often than not, uh, quality, excuse me, close games against quality competition uh, have come up shy, um, often due to on the way we've performed in the final four or five minutes of games. And uh, I I really don't think it's a a conditioning issue, but I do think depth is definitely um, a piece of it as well. We referenced how the Pirates, David, played – we played eight guys, but in essence, you know, it was really six or seven because you you had Sir Malonga. He played six minutes, and um, you really you you simply don't have enough production off the bench. Hopefully, uh, maybe you know you know Bungo, the mid year transfer. What a odd situation that is. But I've seen some of his film, six seven wing piece um, that can uh, definitely bring something to the table. How quickly will he be able to you know, kind of assimilate uh, into things? Uh, we shall see. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think David raises an interesting point about the conditioning and or, or depth, as he says. And, you know, I do think not having Dabunje really hurts right now, having that extra piece that can give you, production and athleticism and I think Bayala has not had the season that anybody anticipated I I certainly anticipated a little more production from him coming off the bench um and, and I think when you look at it we are very thin we're very thin right now so um you know we're gonna have to find a way to get more production from guys coming off the bench. And the reality is, I mean, for the last month or so, I, I'll, I'll, I'll even go maybe for the whole season, it seems like we haven't had the full complement of players available. It seems like every game there's there's some issue, whether it's the flu or an injury or, you know, there, there's been there's been some bad luck with that this year with not having a full a full roster. Bubba, we've talked about that a lot. I think not having Dabunje really hurts, but you know, um, you really need more guys to be able to contribute. You know, you look at, you know, if if you just look at UAB today, well, how many players did they have 
averaging double digits, Bubba? Was it coming into this game? Is it like six or seven? Six you players, had, I think. Yeah, you, you had five players averaging anywhere from 10.2 to 12.1 points per game. You look at it, um, I mentioned the Pirates played eight guys, as did UAB, but for ECU, you had um, very quickly going back to that, you had six guys playing 25, anywhere from 25 to 38 minutes. And then those other two just played one and six respectively. Meanwhile, for the Blazers, uh, yes, you, you did have Gaines who played 40 minutes and Davis 37, but uh, you had eight guys that played 10 plus minutes, seven of those playing 18 plus minutes. Yeah, and I think that that balance and the ability to get contributions from a number of guys is really helpful, and you need that throughout the course of the season. And that's just not something we have right now. But, um, you know, I see Chuck commented, Chuck, you know, Quentin, Quentin out is hurting. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we Bubba and I have talked about that, Chuck. And, the again, I mentioned this on the last show, but the unfortunate thing about his injury was really the timing of it because – when he went down at FAU, he was really playing well that night. It, it was almost like the light turned on for him. He was aggressive. He was attacking the basket and uh, had a real tough break there with, with, with the injury. Just an unfortunate uh, you know, timing for him. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely missed. Yeah, and that performance down at uh, Florida Atlantic was coming off of a stretch where – he perhaps hadn't been playing his best. Maybe also seems like there may have been some sickness involved, but um, either one or both of those things. And you know, he went from being a, a non-factor for probably about a four or five game stretch to performing it the way he did at FAU. And then boom, he gets injured there in the final four or five minutes of that game. And, uh, and before we take a look at what the Pirates – have a head uh, with Wichita State on Wednesday night and give you a, a very quick look at the Shockers on season to date. You know, want to say a quick word about Ed Watkins Marine. Appreciate big Ed Watkins, former East Carolina offensive lineman and Ed Watkins Marine support of the show. Uh, you can visit them at edwatkinsmarine.com. They have two locations to serve you, one in Denver, uh, one in Cornelius, both in the greater Charlotte area. Um, that Denver location, um, you can reach that store via phone at 704-483-BOAT. Again, 704-483-BOAT or in Cornelius, um, they can be reached via 704-498-4985, 704-498-4985. They can meet all of your boating needs, fishing boats, center consoles, family-friendly bow riders, trailers, pontoon boats, engines, UTVs. Whether you're buying a new boat or you know repowering your existing boat, Ed Watkins and his team at Ed Watkins Marine can take care of you. Big Ed, great pirate. If you need a boat, he's the man. So uh, appreciate once again appreciate Ed supporting uh, the show. Taking a look at the Wichita State Shockers, um, the Shockers are. Eight and nine overall. Um, you know, they started the year four and oh and seven and one uh in that stretch. You're not the strongest of schedules. And uh, they did have you know probably one of their better 
or a couple of their better non-conference wins uh, were against the St. Louis Billikens and Richmond. Uh, Richmond, um, a very good program in recent years. I'm not sure what the Spiders are doing this season. We'll have to to bring up those A-10 standings. But uh, they they took down Richmond 80 to 68. Also uh, St. Louis 88 to 69. Um, they they also defeated uh, Western Kentucky 71 to 61. So, um, but it has been a struggle since you know they're back in probably early to mid December. Um, the Shockers have now lost let's see six straight and eight of their last nine with that lone win being a 69-68 victory over Southern Illinois. Uh, they will they will play uh, South Florida on Sunday, um, and that game coming tomorrow at 2 o'clock, and we'll see if they're able to win in Tampa and um, get their initial conference win of the season prior to hosting the Pirates on Wednesday. And those are wins we're going to have to get. You know, when you, when you look at the, the teams right now in the bottom of the conference, I mean, we just cannot let those games slip away. So it's a, it's a big game, very big game, Bubba. We got to get it. And taking a look at um, at the Shockers, and they, uh, like South Florida, tomorrow's opponent, uh, have a, a first-year head coach. And the new regime, you know, coming in, the new head coach is Paul Mills. Um, Paul Mills. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he came over from Oral Roberts. Um, but um, Coach Mills, yep, um, Coach Mills, uh, a longtime Baylor assistant under Scott Drew. You know, he took Oral Roberts and then you know trans transformed that program and and took them to NCAA tournaments, including a, a Sweet 16 in recent years. And I know, Matt, you probably remember that Sweet 16 run because to get to the round of 16, they defeated Ohio State and Florida. Tremendous, tremendous run. That was a lot of fun to watch, and he did a great job with that team. And, you know, you look at that. I can't recall the names off the top of my head, but, again, you talk about guards – you know, your point guard and your two guard explosive that could um, generate points in, in big spots down the stretch. They had it. So um, I don't know, Bubba, you're better with the names and I can't remember the names, but uh, they were they were a fun, a fun team to watch for sure. They were. Um, and I remember, I, I believe it was just prior to that NCAA tournament run of the Sweet 16, um, or at least not too awfully long, I mean, you know, Kind of a family friend of ours that we had that I had met through a mutual friend. Uh, he, he was a ORU grad, and I just remember thinking how much he would have been enjoying that run had um, had he still been with us. And um, yeah, the the Golden Eagles. That that was an awful lot of fun. Uh, I was looking up the the names of those two guards that you referenced because. Uh, you know, I could, let's see. I Bubba, yeah. if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, Ma- one Max, of it's Max Acemus. Acemus, thank you. And because it's spelled A B M A S, but it's pronounced Acemus. And is, it, didn't it, he? Uh, didn't he portal? I think he's playing for somebody else. 
if I'm not mistaken. I believe sure. I believe so. I'm not, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, let me. I'm thinking Ohio State. I don't know why I'm thinking Ohio State, but I'm thinking Ohio State. I believe you're right that it was someone else in the, the Midwest. Uh, I'm looking it up now. Is that Texas? He's at Texas. Uh, okay. I stand corrected. It was it was the Texas Longhorns. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he he that that's one of those, you know, runs you see in March Madness that people will be talking about 20 years from now. He was he was unbelievable on fire in that tournament. So um yeah, but not to not to get too far. I just I I could not remember the name. It was driving me nuts, but um but since since you brought him up, what a four year career he had with ORU. Freshman year, fourteen and a half a game. Sophomore year, twenty four and a half, twenty two eight and twenty one nine. Just um, unbelievable the career he had with Oral Roberts, and then um, in with Texas this season, he's averaging seventeen eight, and let's see. Uh, almost four and a half assists and is shooting uh, over 40%, right at 41% from three. What? How many points is he averaging? I missed that. R- right at 18, 17.8. And um, wow. yeah, Johnny Gardner had not seen this in the comments section yet, but thank you, Johnny, a.k.a. Johnny Hoops. Uh, Johnny Hoops. Johnny on the spot uh, as well with his Hoops knowledge. He's saying Texas, I think, and of course that was correct. Yeah, man, impressive career. I mean, geez, you would you would think with that type of production over five years, you would think he's going to be one of the leading scorers in NCAA history. Yeah, right. Uh, I will see. I will see where this ranked Um, at ORU. He scored two thousand five hundred and sixty-one points, and overall now after three hundred and three this year. Thus far at Texas, he is at 2,864 points. So, so knock on wood, uh, barring uh, an, an injury or something tragic, you know, uh, yeah, just, you know, something unforeseen in these final games of his collegiate career, he's going to top 3,000 points. Yeah, and I'm just trying to pull up the leading scorers of all time. I think I have it here. Um, this is actually this is actually a pretty interesting topic that we've never really talked about before. But looks it like is. looks like uh, Pistol, Pistol Pete, Pete Maravich. Yeah, man. If you, I, I mean, I'm sure. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but if you if you Google Pistol Pete Maravich's highlights, they're unbelievable. I mean, this guy was way ahead of his time, what he was doing. So he appears to be number one, 3,667 points. Um, I mean, <laughs> this guy averaged in 1967, this guy averaged 44 points a game. He actually did that for three years. He averaged 44 points a game. <laughs> I mean, yeah. th- that's ridiculous. And then you have uh, Antoine Davis at Detroit Mercy. Now, I'm not familiar with this. This is not Antoine Davis from Kentucky. This is Antoine Davis from Detroit Mercy, who's second. His career Uh, just ended um, last season. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. Yep, it did. Um, you then have uh, Freeman Williams from Portland State, and this was back in the 70s. I'm trying to find a name we're familiar with. You have Chris Clemens from Campbell. Yeah, Chris Clemens is the name that Pirate fans are certainly familiar with because he he was at Campbell from 2015 to 2019. Yeah. 3,225 points. Very impressive. Now, number five is a name that I I recognize very well. Lionel Simmons from LaSalle, the L train. Yes. The L train. Um, Great player. Didn't really pan out in the NBA, but man, he was good at LaSalle. Um, and I, I won't go through all of them here. I mean, just another one recent, fairly recent. Dougie McBuckets from Creighton, yeah. Doug McDermott. Um, back in like 2010 to 2013. Awesome nickname. What's that? You like that nickname? Doug Man, he, he played on the Knicks for a while. You guys know I'm a Knicks fan. He um he was probably our seventh man. You know, we would bring him off the bench for for quality minutes. But man, Dougie McBuckets could fill it up. He was a fun player to watch. So but, uh, uh, by my count here, and when when he tops three thousand points, he would become the the twelfth player to do so. Mm. Tremendous, tremendous. It would be interesting to see. Um, Trying to recall, of course, uh, you know, Blue Edwards had that unbelievable final season, I guess maybe, maybe last two seasons, um, but especially that 88-89 season when he ended up going in the first round to the Utah Jazz. But, I uh, mean, you know, how had Blue been able to uh, you know, get a, a more full career in uh, it would have been interesting to see where he could have stacked up all time. But, um, yeah, just a very elite company there uh, for Max Asmus as he would be just the 12th player in NCAA history or Division One history to score 3,000-plus points. But um, you know, bring, bringing this back, um, Johnny Robertson says, has anyone seen that Will Wade or what Will Wade is doing at McNeese State? They are 16-2 and two and have beaten UAB, VCU, and Michigan in 10 seasons. His worst record is 18-15. and 15. Of course, Will Wade, everything that went on at LSU, getting it done with the Cowboys at McNeese. Mm, that is very impressive. Very and impressive the, stat there. And then Johnny Robertson, excellent point here. What pistol, what pistol Pete did. Uh, with nearly 3,700 points or whatever that total was, he did it without a three-point shot. Oh, man, that is a great point. I mean, it's funny. When you go well, back and 4,000 plus, I'm probably. Yeah, oh, man, easily, yeah. he. When you go back and you watch basketball, you watch those clips from, like, the early 80s with, like, Georgetown and, you know, the Michael Jordan game against Georgetown for the championship. At, at UNC. I mean, it's just, it's really, it almost, it looks so odd without the three point line. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine that we ever played this game without a three point line now, because it's, it's so, it's so prominent, you know, in, in everything. I mean, you watch an NBA game and literally 
I, I would say 60% of the shots are, are from the three-point line. It's unbelievable. So, um, yeah, yeah, very good point there by Johnny. I, I don't know if there'll ever be another uh, Pistol Pete. A game that I wanted to bring up, I believe you had the opportunity to catch the third overtime. You referenced the Creighton Blue Jays. Creighton ranked 18th. Uh, man, what a game that was between them and the Seton Hall Pirates. Triple overtime, and then they went on uh, bringing up that final. I believe it was 97 to 94 as Seton Hall knocked down a three at the buzzer after Creighton and converted some free throws to stretch the lead out to six. But that was uh, an unbelievable game that I started watching there. I guess it was late in the first overtime. Yeah, Creighton has really put together a good program for a long time now. They're a fun team to watch. And, of course, Seton Hall from my home state of New Jersey. I love Seton Hall, but it was a fun game to watch, Bubba. You know, one other thing I wanted to mention I thought was pretty cool this week. I'm sure you saw it. Uh, the 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 kind of the the reunion for the Fab Five at Michigan, um, which I thought was very cool. And I, there was some, I guess there was some some problems with with a few of those guys. They there was a falling out for many years, um, but uh, sounds like they kind of put it behind them, moved on past it, and it was cool to see. Uh, did you see that picture, Bubba? It was. Um, Obviously, Juwan I Howard. I did. I saw them sitting courtside, and yeah, good for good for them. I'm glad whatever differences were there have at least been to some degree, if not completely, put aside and are worked through. Uh, and Michigan's had a quite a struggle this year, um, and I think at one point lost five or six consecutive games. But, um, yeah, that was definitely interesting. And also, you know, taking now, a can look. You name, can you name the Fab Five, Bubba? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you name the Fab Five? I can. Of course, you have Jawan Howard, who is um, you know, leading the program right now, has been the head coach for the last few or several seasons. Chris Weber. And then you have Jalen Rose, your longtime NBA analyst. And then Ray Allen. Excuse oh. me, Ray Allen. Ray, sorry, Ray Allen. I knew that. Ray Jackson. And, I knew uh, you Jimmy, knew that. Jimmy, I knew it was a little uh, a slip there. Yeah. Slip of the tongue, yeah. Uh, Jimmy King. Excellent. Yeah, good job. Good job. I uh, Man, what a team. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm Jawan Howard, I, I'm – I'm using that to my advantage in recruiting. You know, the Fab Five, the name, the, the cachet, the you know, the the history. I want to use that in recruiting. There's no reason why they can't be, you know, tremendous at basketball year in and year out. So I just kind wanted of, to mention that because I thought it was pretty cool to see. Kind of along those lines, it's funny since you brought up the Fab Five. They really started a kind of revolution in college basketball as far as the way shorts were worn and the length of shorts. Uh, and you saw that remain the same for probably at least about 20 years. But over the last several years, the trend has been more of the the John Stockton variety. I'm not necessarily uh, 
as short as the former Utah Jazz and Gonzaga point guard. But um, in some cases, for, for some players, such as Kenyonis in the last few years for Memphis, it was more like a, a diaper. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're in a good era right now for, for shorts. Like, you, there was nothing worse than the 80s when you would see, like, Bird and McHale and Parrish with shorts. You know, we, we would call those nut huggers, you know, back in the day. Uh, you would have to wear spandex underneath them just to kind of cover your legs a little. I mean, it was so short, it was embarrassing. And then you had the ultra long shorts, like you mentioned, which was also a terrible look, in my opinion. Now it's it's like a mid mid thigh. Uh, you know, it's 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 a good it's a good era for shorts. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I'm more of a middle ground, um, but if I had to go one way or the other, I'm definitely going to the shorter variety. But and I, I never understood how how guys could play with shorts over their knees. Like when when I've had, you know, when I've forgotten a belt or you know had shorts that were just a little too long, and I have something over my knee, I don't feel like I can move as well as I need to when when I'm when I'm playing whatever sport. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, just to, it's re- <laughs> restricting. I, very restricting. Is it? I'll tell you a little side story, Bubba. I think that, that this is something I always think about. So, um, talking about shorts here, the high school I went to in New Jersey, very, very uh, blue collar town. You know, not definitely wasn't a, a wealthy town by any stretch. Very blue collar. You know, our high, our high school didn't have a lot. You know, we uh, we may do, but we didn't have a lot every year. So when the basketball season would start, the coach would have a, a huge box with the uniforms in it. So the shorts and the jerseys. And uh, within that box, there were only three pairs of extra large shorts for whatever. I mean, we just didn't have the high school just didn't have money and they would replace those uniforms like every 15 years. So there were three pairs, and I'll never forget it. My junior year, he brought the box out, and uh, he sat it down on a table in the locker room. And me and my buddies, my teammates, we literally were fighting for the extra large shorts. Like I mean, it was a it was like a mosh pit in the locker room, trying to figure out who got those extra large shorts. I mean, it was it was a it was hilarious to think about. I did come out with a pair of XLs, thank God. Um, yeah, but I had to fight for them. So, <laughs> me and my old teammates always joke around about that from high school. But uh, that—that's—that's that's a story. I'll, you know, I'll never forget that one. But yeah, I remember something very similar. My sixth grade year, you know, I was—I made the middle school team, one of just two or three sixth graders to do so, and and um, that situation. And unfortunately, existed where we didn't have enough um, the proper sizes in shorts, and unfortunately, my our first game, you know, my dad was partially pissed and partially just laughing because he knew how embarrassed I was when I came came out I mean, wearing shorts that were probably shorter than John Stockton. And I look. <laughs> I felt like I, I ran out in uh, some fruit of the looms or something, some tight tidy whities. You need to you, listen. I'm going to call your dad. I'm going to call Gary tomorrow. <laughs> I want. I want. We got to get some pictures of that for the show because that would yeah. be. Uh, 
that would be hot ratings right there. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, so I, I know we've already been over the American standings, so before we get out of here, we'll run through some other scores. Um, I mentioned Charlotte taking down North Texas today at Halton Arena. That final was 56-44. to 44. 49ers led by five at halftime and then went on to the 12-point victory. Um, they were led by Lucy uh, Patterson. He, he had 20 points um, as Charlotte moves into first place in, in the American uh, with that 5-1 and one record. And then you have a log jam behind them uh, with five teams at 4-1, and one, just a half game back. Uh, SMU um, blew out Tulsa 103 to 70 was that score at Moody Coliseum. Harris led the Mustangs with 18 points, 10 assists, and six rebounds, while Haggerty had 19 for the Golden Hurricane. Uh, Rice took down Temple on 69-66. The Owls are really struggling. Let's hope that continues as they will be at Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum a week from tomorrow um, as the Pirates will look to sweep that season series. And uh, that that does it for the, the scores in the American. Um, taking a look, uh, I mentioned that result with Creighton and Seton Hall, the triple overtime thriller this afternoon up in New Jersey. Uh, right now, or, uh, you have number one UConn, Tristan Newton and the Huskies are – Playing Villanova, uh, you also have um, you know seventh-ranked Duke. They are losing to Pittsburgh. Uh, I know a game that you noted earlier, Matt, was number five Houston. You know Kelvin Sampson's clubs right there again. You know very much uh, capable of making a Final Four national title run, um, but the Cougars obviously transitioning to the Big Twelve. They are now three and two in the Big Twelve after a fifty-seven forty-two win against UCF. You know we always hate to see the Knights come up short, but um, the, they held the Knights to just fourteen points in the first half. Unbelievable defense you see from Houston to be able to hold that team to forty-two points, and that is really an impressive stat. Um, yeah, I mean, and UCF's playing. Been playing very good basketball, so uh, pretty impressive there. Uh, and one thing, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap with this. You know, before we plug some upcoming content and um, you know promote our social media, but uh, I'm sure you saw it on social media. I had not seen it live, but uh, when UCF upset the Texas Longhorns, and uh, I thought about this because I saw that Texas today had a thrilling last-second win. Uh, against number nine Baylor that one was also in Austin but UCF went into Austin and won earlier this week and following the game there was a little little altercation between in Texas head coach and the UCF players and UCF went into the handshake line with multiple horns down and uh Texas did not uh, particularly care for it. And also you have Frank Haith, the former Tulsa head coach, is on staff there in Austin. 
Yeah, a lot of controversy about that. I mean, this is starting to become a really big thing with Texas with the whole horns down thing. I mean, they I think they're taking that a little bit too uh, personally, like a little too sensitive about that. I mean, come on. But I, I do agree when you're when you're in the hand, you know, in the handshake line at the end, there's no need for that kind of stuff. But uh, Texas, I mean, come on, let's uh, not take it too seriously. Yeah, and he said something to the effect. I mean, it's like cut that bleep out. Uh, you, there's no need for that. He was very complimentary of Johnny Dawkins' club. But uh, like you said, um, it's one of those things. No, you don't like it. Of course, of course, you don't like it. But uh, it it definitely has gone to a whole other level. And like going back a couple years to the Super Regional when the Pirates played the Longhorns and Texas fans were were mad at East Carolina for starting a purple and gold cheer while they were trying to sing the eyes of Texas or or something at Clark LeClaire Stadium. Yeah, they're a sensitive bunch down there. And, um, you know, guess what? It's going to get worse now that now that the coach reacted like that. Every stadium they go into for the rest of the year, it's going to be horns down. So people are going to have a lot of fun with that. Sometimes you're better off just not reacting to it and just taking the high road. But, um, yeah, that's uh, I think it was kind of fun to see. They're definitely going to make it worse, um, you know, by talking about it. And of course, there are going to be those that are going to do it no matter what. But when you make people more aware how sensitive you are to it, that's certainly going to make more people do it. And um, just unbelievable, quite honestly. Um, But that will do it for this edition of Pirate Basketball Overtime. You know, you can. Find the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found on all podcast platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, when, when you subscribe on YouTube, you know, make sure that you click that notification bell. And when you click the notification bell, click all as well. And then anytime we go live or upload new content, you'll be alerted on your device. Speaking of new content, uh, we or I had the opportunity on Friday afternoon to catch up with East Carolina great and Philadelphia Philly, Jeff Hoffman. Hoff uh, was nice enough to give us 45 minutes of his time. And uh, Jeff, what a year he had in 2023 for Philadelphia. Excellent season for the Phillies as they came up just shy against the D-backs, falling, I believe it was in seven games and uh, nearly making a World Series. But – Philadelphia offered Jeff a $2.2 million deal this year. He avoided arbitration and, and Jeff appeared in 54 games last year with obviously um, with them making the decision. They did uh, excellent results to bring the hard throwing six, five right-hander back uh, to that Phillies club that has a chance to make a run in 2024. And so that interview is actually premiering right now if you're watching us live. But uh, if you have the opportunity in the next few days, go back and check that out. Excellent 45-minute conversation talking about his recruitment, his career with the Pirates, and his journey throughout professional baseball. Uh, also, you know, be, for, be sure to follow us on social media on X at the Sports OBJ on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective and like and follow 
our Facebook page. But for Matt Semenza, we appreciate you tuning in to this edition of Pirate Basketball Overtime again. East Carolina falls this afternoon to the UAB Blazers 69-61 at Bartow Arena in Birmingham. And we'll talk to you soon on the Sports Objective as we'll have a preview show. Darren Vault will be joining us on Thursday. And uh, odds are we'll have some content for you between now and then. But for everyone here in the whole TSO team, We'll talk to you soon, and go Pirates.